You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Cindy Pon will be reading from Fury of the Phoenix. Yes. Hello. Is this working? Yeah. Okay. Fury. I don't think so. (laughs) Go. Got it. Okay. Fury of the Phoenix is actually the sequel to my debut, Silver Phoenix, and both books are um, set in the kingdom of Sha, which is inspired by ancient China. They were taking the evening meal when a hoarse scream topside startled Eileen. Pen and Chenyong leaped to their feet, and her eating sticks clattered to the table. Everyone rushed out at once, but Pen stopped short, and Chenyong paused beside him. She tucked herself behind Chenyong's back. The sun had just slipped below the horizon, casting the gliding dragon in an eerie gray. There were four crew members on deck, each transfixed by two naked figures writhing toward them. Both were real thin, their black hair hung like kelp. Eileen could see the sharp edges of shoulder blades as they drew closer to the men who stood frozen, mouths agape. Ox took a timid step forward. Mother, is it truly you? The creature raised a white arm, fingers uncurling. Ox took another step. Eileen hissed and her scalp crawled. There was a thump from the side of the ship and something pale and wet crashed onto the deck. The thing held itself in fetal position, dark hair covering its face before rising like a wave to its feet. It was getting too dark to see, but somehow, Eileen knew who it was. She pushed her way between Pen and Chenyong, even as Pen shoved her back, and a twinge of annoyance filled her that he should be so rough. Suddenly, sobbing, Ox had fallen into the creature's arm. arms. No, Pen rushed forward, don't let them touch you. Ox began to whimper. He shrank before Eileen's eyes, his flesh growing white and puckered. The skin tightened on his face until his eyes bulged. A thin, anemic thing, he slid to the deck. Sea shifters, we need fire, Pen shouted. Yen! She could hear what Pen was saying, but the naked figures captured all her attention. Four of them now, ashen and slender, some with seaweed clinging to their thighs. Curiously unmoved by Ox's strange fate, she stepped toward them. One figure looked so familiar. If only she could see his eyes, that smile. Bai Lan, is there enough to eat at home? Lao Er, another sailor, stood rigid, staring at the creature that Ox had mistaken for his mother. Now, noiseless, hand outstretched, the creature stepped over Ox. Eileen couldn't turn her eyes away. The sea shifter spoke words. It seemed only Lao Er could hear. I'm so sorry, Lao Er opened his arms to welcome her. I've missed you. Nine, his eyes averted, lunged and grabbed Lao Er hard enough that he fell to the deck with an audible grunt. Nine, that's my wife. No, it's not, Pen shouted. They'll kill you. Yen burst from the bridge with two lit torches in hand, their flames so strong that Eileen felt the heat. He tossed one to Cheng Yong and, brandishing the torch, ran toward the closest creature. They fear only fire. Bring more torches. Burn them, Pen ordered. Yen set fire to the naked woman's dark head. Ear-rending shrieks and the stench of burning flesh and rancid shellfish filled the air. Eileen threw her spirit at the sea shifters. She glided over them, but their spirits were slippery, as if encased in flowing water. She could gather nothing from them. 
there was nothing to latch onto. But my daughter, Tianan protested. Xiao Ho had emerged from nowhere and clutched at his father's trousers, his expression conflicted and uncertain. Suddenly, the figure that had looked so familiar to Eileen moved into the torchlight. Entranced, she reached a hand to him. Although he was so thin that his ribs were defined ridges under almost translucent skin, Liron's smile was still the same. He was naked, and embarrassed, she ducked her face for a brief moment, but his eyes compelled her to meet his gaze. Liron, I'm so sorry, she whispered. Chen Yong made a choking noise beside her. Burn them, Pen shouted. Drive them back to sea. The bewildered crew moved in slow motion, but dutifully raised their torches. Liron was so close now that his entire face was lit by Chen Yong's torch. She took a step toward him without realizing that she did so. He opened both arms to her, and she stumbled into him. Forgive me, she tasted the hot salt of her own tears. Of course, Eileen. She heard him say it, even though his lips never moved. His hand brushed her wet cheek. She gasped as coldness convulsed through her. I forgive you. His words were ice against her ear. He wrapped down fingers around her neck, and it was as if her spirit were plunged into a frigid sea. A strong arm wound around her waist. Chen Yong pulled her against his chest, and she stifled a cry. He brandished the torch, a guttural sound escaping his lips, and she screamed. The sea shifter cowered, its unnatural shriek piercing the air. Go below deck! Chen Yong shoved her toward the hatch. His amber eyes were wild with something she couldn't identify. But go! he roared. Chen Yong raised his hand to push her again, but froze at the last moment, as if he couldn't bear to touch her. Eileen fell back and pulled open the hatch. She staggered below, her throat full of tears, the scent of burned flesh and seaweed smothering her. The screaming and shouting seemed to go on forever. Eileen lay on the hard berth, her knees drawn to her chest, unable to stop shaking. She buried her face in her blanket and recited the mantra for protection, first soundlessly, and then aloud, stringing the words together like a silk cocoon. Finally, unable to endure it any longer, she climbed the steps and tried to push the hatch open, but it was locked from above. She pounded against it, the sound muted by the commotion on deck. She returned to the berth and didn't know how much time had passed before an eerie silence descended on the ship. The lantern had burned low, a scraping, and the door opened. Chen Yong, his face drawn, his eyes haunted, stood in the doorway. Eileen sat up. You're not hurt. She reached for him. He entered the small cabin, filling the space, and sat down beside her. We forced them all back to sea. He dropped his face into his hands and rubbed hard. I can still hear the screaming in my head, smell their burning flesh. Goddess, it was awful, she whispered, and touched his shoulder. Chen Yong flinched, and she snatched her hand away. He raised his head and tried to smile. We're fortunate Pen was familiar with sea lore, sea shifters I know nothing about. Did he tell you more? Yes, after they were all driven back, we met on the bridge. He pressed his fists over his eyes. We lost Da Yun, Da Yun, the large man they had fondly called Ox. They had not spoken many words to each other, but he had always been kind to her. Pens of the sea shifters seek warmth from living humans, and they, Cheng Yong's brow creased, they take on the image of loved ones. She picked at the blanket with trembling fingers. You saw Li Rong, Cheng Yong's voice was a hoarse whisper. I did, she blinked away the tears. He brushed the back of her hand. He's at peace now, Eileen. Was he? Or was Liron trapped in the underworld? Has she burned his heart in time? She nodded, wiping her eyes. Whom did you see? But he would not look at her and simply shook his head. 
They buried Daoying at sea the next morning. Pen and Daoying's closest friend, Lao Er, wrapped his pale and shrunken corpse in sky blue cloth as Yen recited prayers from the Book of the Divine. Eileen shuddered when the body slipped into the water. She imagined the sea shifters clutching at him now with spindly arms, triumphant, claiming him as their own. The day was gray and cold and remained so. The crew took their midday meal in silence. She didn't have an appetite, couldn't forget the sight of Daoyang's body sinking into the waves, of Liang wrapped in sky blue cloth on his funeral pyre. You should eat something, Pen said. You look exhausted. Her throat closed. Chen Yong touched her knee beneath the table. She looked at him in surprise, but he had already pulled his hand back. Are the sea shifters something you've encountered before? She asked Pen. The captain fiddled with a gold button on his shirt. He hadn't shaved, and there were dark shadows beneath his eyes. No, it's a tale we shared while drinking to try to spook one another. Yen poured him more tea, and Pen thanked him by tapping a finger against the table. I wasn't even certain the fire would work. It was a risk to our ship, but these sea shifters were far more dangerous. He gave a slight shake of his head. Dying was the first crew member I've ever lost. Chen Yong said they take on the image of a loved one, Eileen said. She swallowed the lump in her throat. According to lore, yes. Pen studied her, and she tucked her spirit close. A loved one, living or dead, they prey on guilt, on unspoken, on unspoken emotions, or the unresolved. They sat at the table without speaking for long moments, each lost in thought. Everyone dispersed after the meal, and much of Lao Lu's delicious food was left in the pot. Eileen went up on deck. Several of the crew nodded somberly as she strolled the perimeter of the ship. The dampness seeped through her, and she drew in the salt air. The gliding dragon flew over the waters. She stepped over Yamhead and Xiaohou, who were sprawled on the deck playing war with wooden sticks. Want to fish with us again when the winds drop, miss? Yamhead asked. She ruffled his hair. We'll see, she said, although a chill crept down her spine. They were so vivid, these memories that were not hers. It felt as if she had lived them. Had she made them up? At the stern, she wandered up the two flights of stairs to the top deck without thinking. It was her favorite place on the ship because of the quiet. She almost turned around when she saw Chen Yong hunched on a stool, facing the sea. His head bowed over a book. Instead, she stood and watched him. She realized he was sketching and smiled. She knew that he studied art as she did, but had never seen any of his work. She took stealthy steps toward him, hoping to peek. He turned when she was only a few paces away and closed the book, his mouth twitching into a half grin. Dark shadows curved beneath his eyes. He hadn't been sleeping well either. I was drawing, he said, and I was trying to steal a glimpse. He smiled. You've never shown me your sketchbook. No, she leaned against the railing facing him. I didn't even know you've had one. I remembered our last journey together, and you always sketching in yours. I packed one for this trip. So? She held out a hand. Chen gave her a sketchbook. This means I'll get to look through yours? No promises, she said. The book was bound in soft brown calfskin, luxurious to the touch. She ran her fingers over the cover before opening it. The gliding dragon's masts, bridge, and stern were rendered in strong strokes. There was the same boldness in his drawings as in his calligraphy. Portraits of a crew, including an exact likeness of Yamhead, grinning mischievously from the page. She came across a profile of herself, chin tucked, in one hand. She was drawn in delicate, careful lines, a dreamy look in her eyes. It's me, she glanced up, amazed. Oh, Chen Yong stood. I think you were looking out to sea. He took the sketchbook and closed it. You're very good, she said. It's only a hobby. He fumbled, finally clasping the book behind his back. 
are you all right? She remembered the slow rising terror, the shrieking and jumbled emotions pulsing across the massive ship. I hadn't seen the like since our last journey together. I know, he said in a low voice. I couldn't do anything to stop them. I tried, at least until she was seduced by the image of Lirong. I'm sorry for locking you below. I was worried I... He was studying her intently, as if she had changed somehow, as if he didn't recognize her. You always act with courage, Eileen. She remembered the frantic look in his eyes, the way his voice had reached through to her. <coughs> she hadn't felt courageous. She had felt lost. You were the one who saved me. He blushed and dropped his gaze. They climbed down the steps to the main deck together without speaking, awkward as wooden puppets. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Thank you.